We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Don't like losing to the Celtics, Nick. Not at yes. all. I feel that. No one does. No one likes losing to Boston teams. Nets, you know, s- sadly had the L tonight, 104-112. Boston victorious. You know, they pretty much outplayed them most of the game other than the third quarter. What were your initial thoughts about this one? Yeah, I mean, it was um... – it seemed like the the Celtics defense, they were just blocking everything left, right, and center, but the, the Nets kept at it. And the, the, they're just a team with heart and energy, and they're always going to hang around. If they keep the margin within 10 or so, you know, they're going to go on a run. And a guy like D'Angelo Russell provided that tonight. You know, the offense was very shaky, uh, but D'Lo was hot. And then we saw him inserted and taken out after a charge, and we just didn't see him again for the night. And um, it was it was a strange one. What did you think about that, Jack? You know, obviously, this is something we're not used to. It seemed like Kenny Atkins threw the white flag in early. You know, no Joe Harris at the end, no D'Angelo Russell, no Jared Allen. It looked like he just went to the reserves. Do you feel like that was too early in the game? Yeah, I, I certainly thought it was. I was I was really frustrated, like a lot of other fans. Um, Dan Marciano in the Metro Public comments asked, what was this about? The game was ours for the taking. Not sure why Russell set the final eight and a half minutes. I, I wasn't either. Uh, it, and there was video during the, the Yes Network broadcast where it showed you know, Kenny just giving uh, D'Lo a, a bit of a tap. Not sure necessarily what was said, but it's like, you know, you're going to sit the rest of this one. But, you know, on the bench, we saw D'Angelo Russell standing up, you know, on his knees. He was he was ready to get back in there. You know, Mitch Creek um, got inserted uh, with Damari Carroll, you know, with with foul trouble. So for me, uh, if down by seven with eight minutes to go, the guy who gets you back there and the game's for the taking and you end up losing by, you know, near double digits around that range. It was just a, a very odd move for me and one that was too analytics-driven and, you know, not enough feel-driven as we've sort of advocated uh, for Kenny in the past. 
Yeah, it was definitely something we're not used to. It's just weird for them to throw the white flag in early, obviously back-to-back tomorrow going back to Brooklyn to play Chicago. And there's so many guys banged up, so that maybe played into decision. But I think maybe you put D'Lo out there for like two more minutes. It doesn't really work out. You just send him back to the bench and you call it a game. You know, I understood why they did it. I just felt like it was a little bit too early. You know, probably two more minutes if it's still like that because the Nets just didn't necessarily have the, the juice tonight to kind of pull off the W, but you still want to give it one last shot. Yeah, I mean, D'Lo was shooting 10 of 20 from the field, had 25 points in 24 minutes. The rest of the team was shooting 32.5% from the field. Yeah. So in terms of offense, it was D'Angelo Russell or nothing. You know, Rondell Hollis Jefferson was chucking up bricks. Shabazz Napier was chucking up bricks. So if you really wanted to win this game and go for it, you had to have D'Lo out there. And it seemed like, you know, he threw in the white towel a little bit too early for my liking. Yeah, and you mentioned Elo. I think what he had an 11-0 run on by himself in the third quarter. He got hot. You know, obviously would have liked to see him out there. But talking about some of the other guys, you know, moving down the roster, what did you think of Rondé's game? I thought there were moments from Rondé where he, his teammates made him look a little bit better. Uh, I, I literally tweeted out for Nets Republic where it's like the good of – he plays good. He plays bad. It's the Rondé Hollis Jefferson experience, you know. He's he, the good thing is he does. You know, he almost at times makes up for the bad shots. Like he'll he'll get his own miss. I say, like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess he can take that shot. Um, but at the same time, I think if we're talking stylistically and and schematically, Mitch Creek and and Damari Cowell just fit way better. And Rodion's courts just fits way better in terms of the spacing and the offense. And you know, the offense was certainly you know, clogged tonight and, and, and really stagnant. And I think Rondé uh, had a part to play in that. Yeah, you know, like you said, Rondé did some good things tonight. He also did some bad things. I felt like he probably did more bad than good. It just feels like I don't mind him taking shots, but he doesn't need to necessarily take shots early in the shot clock or not pass to his teammates and try to, like, isolate players. Like, he's still trying to find his groove, and I get that. But, like, you need to not force your shot and allow it to kind of work the system around because – that's when the Nets are the best, when they're, you know, good ball movement, everybody's touching the ball, driving and passing and getting those open shots. Yeah, and, and the offense just, it didn't look that way tonight. You know, the ball wasn't moving. It was just, you know, obviously the Celtics are a very, very good defensive team and they force you into bad shots and such. But having like one day Hollis Jefferson out there certainly wasn't helpful. But um, a, a nice question from Zane Nathani. Is it impressive or depressing that we were <laughs> in a game with two two-way guys playing real minutes, obviously with Theo Pinson and Mitch Creek being those two players? I thought it was impressive. I liked the way both those guys played tonight. Mitch Creek, you know, I was really impressed with him getting his first, you know, real NBA minutes. He looks like a strong dude out there, has a good understanding, doesn't really force a shot, kind of does the right things. And then Theo Pinson, you know, has been a guy we've talked about a lot. I like what he brings as a secondary ball handler. Also, I didn't think his defense was bad either. Yeah, neither did I. Uh, I think both guys, the all 10 healthy players we had, you know, saw minutes tonight. And, you know, Mitch certainly looked comfortable out there. We've seen Theo with his minutes. We got to see the dance again as well. Um, so, yeah, I think both guys, it, it just shows to the system. Obviously, the Long Island Nets um, run a very similar, if not the same system. So it just allows for these G League guys to just come in and and make an impact and just make it a little bit more, little bit more seamless. Obviously, the zone defense was a, a little shoddy at times. But I think with guys like Creek and Pinson and, uh, and less experienced guys, you know, communication can be an issue there. Um, but, I, but I thought that they were more than serviceable and, and weren't the problem tonight. Yeah, I think that was an issue. You know, at points, the communication in the zone wasn't great. And it almost felt like the Nets played zone almost the entire game. And I think they they played it just too much. And if we're looking at it from like a coaching perspective from Coach Kenny, it seemed like he was just doing the same things a lot. There was times we could have called timeouts and a little bit too late. 
Um, so yeah, I think the zone defense worked at times, but I think when the Nets defense looks good is when they're throwing different looks at it. And, you know, Marcus Martin, when he's hitting threes and Jalen Brown or whatever, or Aaron Baines, you know, that's generally what breaks down the zone by hitting your shots. So I think you need to be a, a little bit more flexible in your approach. And Coach Kenny has done that quite a bit over this sort of uh, successful stretch. So it was just strange to not see that from him again tonight. Yeah, it was. It felt like they were running too much of the same. And then at points, the Celtics kind of got a feel for the zone. And then in the fourth quarter, offensive rebounding-wise, it felt like they got a ton of second-chance points or at least second-chance opportunities. So something you wanted to clean up. Who else had a, a solid game for you, Jack? Anybody else stick out and had played a good game in your eyes? I mean, I don't have the box score in front of me right now, Nick, but it, it feels like there was you know not many serviceable contributors. It was just a, a, an average game all around. You know, Rodion's had his moments. I, I still like the way that he pushes the pace and pushes the issue. Um, but at the same time, you know, he can, he continues to make, you know, a, a few little mistakes here and there. Um, you know, 20 points for Shabazz Napier, who I still think, you know, it obviously got to the line six times, um, you know, two steals as well. So I thought he was okay, five assists. You know, if you're looking at the box, or Ron Ellis Jefferson, 14 points, but again, on 19 shots. You don't want Sh uh, Ron Nahalas Jefferson taking 19 shots. Um, so I think outside of, of D'Lo, really, who was only really uh, offensive sort of juggernaut throughout the night, um, other than that, um, a, a lot of guys were, were below average. Yeah, 19 shots for Rondé is just too many, especially when he's not in rhythm. You know, if he was hot and in over 50%, maybe that's okay. And like you said with Shabazz, he scores, but it just feels like he takes too many shots early in the shot clock. Some of the decision-making is questionable. Saw Kenny frustrated a couple times on the sideline. Your boy Joe Harris looked like that hip was kind of bothering him. His shot didn't look clean. Like you mentioned, Rodion had some good moments, but some of the plays, it was just Boston was too physical for the Nets. Yeah, and, and this Boston team, even without Kyrie Irving, is far and away more talented uh, than the Brooklyn Nets. But at the same time, you know, if you have a chance, you know, you, the, the win is within grasp. You know, you, you want to do everything you can to, to secure that W, you know, despite the fact that we do have Chicago in a back-to-back -back at home and that seems a, a, a more likely win in terms of the, the win-loss column when you're sort of penciling it in. But if you can get both of them, why not go for it? Uh, and I think, you know, this, it was D'Angelo or Bust for, for this mm. game. So the fact that he did sit those final few minutes, it just it just showed uh, the direction that Coach Kenny was having. And, and I mean, I get it to an extent, you know, if D'Angelo gets injured, you know, you've got nine fit players and, you know, you've got, it, it's, I mean, it's disastrous nearly. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking at the, the, the worst of the other side, but I just didn't see necessarily that happening. Like you mentioned, Nick, if you're really that worried about him, you know, just sit him in there for a few minutes. If they can't really, you know, keep it within five or within three, then take him out. Yeah, it definitely was weird. Uh, hopefully we see good minutes from him. I'm just a little concerned. Hopefully Joe Harris plays tomorrow because I could tell that something was not right. I'm sure you could tell more because that's your boy, but mm. something didn't seem right with him. So I'm hoping he plays in, plays against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was questionable heading into the game. Um, I was expecting him to be out with Trevion Graham. But then if that were the case, you know, there would have been nine fit bodies. You know, it's rare to see Joe Harris only play 19 minutes. He's normally one of the, the Nets leaders in, in minutes played. So uh, it certainly was probably a load management issue for, from my end, from my guess, my estimations. Um, 
But Nick, uh, another question on uh, RHJ from Zane. It seemed RHJ was a productive part of the offense last season. Do you think he hasn't adjusted to his new role or is the increase in talent around him on the Nets just making him look worse? Uh, nice question. That's a very good question. I think it's a combination of both. I hate to take that out. I think mostly, though, it's him not adjusting to the role because we've seen him contribute in a positive way this season. It's when he's not really running the offense. He's just doing the hustle plays, playing great defense, making cuts to the rim, not trying to isolate. Like Some of it almost seems like an outlier last season. Also, he got an excessive amount of touches. And now that the team's more talented, they don't need to go to that post game. It's just not that productive in the NBA nowadays so I think he's just not adjusting to his role for the Nets team to be successful I think it's he has to look in the mirror and that's nothing against Rondé because I think his skill set can still help them win but he just has to understand what he needs to do yeah and, and I mean he can look to a guy like Trevion Graham I mean we, we saw a couple of uh, Rondé threes tonight it just seems like it's too far for him <laughs> to an extent like he just he uses his legs so much and it's just like oh okay he, he can't actually make this one or something um, but at the same time, you know, Trebulon has been able to adjust in terms of his defense. Um, you know, he's just been a, a real defensive thought there, whereas I think Rondé is almost focusing too much on his offense to feed the energy on the defensive end. You know, if he can become just a defensive stopper, I think that's his future in this league. Um, I, I don't think many other teams in this league are going to give him uh, the liability, uh, the leeway, sorry, to, to put up 19 shots. Um, and the fact that we, you know, we didn't have a guy like Trevion Graham and, and, and Alan Crabb and Jared Dudley, Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, you know, if he if he gets nineteen more shot, fifteen or more shots again this season, I would be surprised at the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would probably have to be some type of blow if he's taking that many shots. And like you said, though, all the players out going to this game, it's not like the Nets were expected to win, like you mentioned before. Boston, super talented. This team pretty much went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they had a couple guys not play great tonight either. What did you think about Boston having 16 blocks? Do you think that was some of the officiating, or do you think Boston just played an excellent defense? They, they were awesome. Uh, I, I think in terms of the Nets continue to force the issue, but this Boston team has tremendous defensive talent. You know, Al Horford is a beast. He, he's an absolute monster. Um, and, and I think he's getting back to a, a real semblance of good form, which should bode well for Boston fans. Um, and I know it, it pains me to say that, but Killer Cam is going to be happy with that, that's for sure. You know, it, it, at the same time, you know, the, the Nets were okay from the three-point line, you know, 38%, you know, 13 of 34 um, we're able to get to the line 16 times. You know, normally you'd want to get there, you know, 20 or more. Um, you know, only lost the rebounding battle by four. Um, so there was a lot of areas where the the Nets were okay. Just you know, the 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 talent and and the offensive execution just uh, wasn't there. Yeah, that sloppy start in the game where they went down like 10 early, down 13 early. They needed to kind of be better to start the game, and that's something they need to learn. You know, we've seen a little bit in the past, but starting the game strong is important for a young team like this. Yeah, you can't just play one quarter of basketball and mm. expect to, to beat a team uh, the caliber of the Boston Celtics. You know, you can do it against other teams. We're not the Golden State Warriors. We can't just go out there, you know, that third quarter, which was tremendous, again, highlighted by Delo's um, shooting exploits. Um, it, it's just not going to be enough. And, and despite the fact that the Eastern Conference is a little bit weakened, um, you know, the Boston Celtics certainly aren't one of those teams where you can do that. You know, 16 points in a quarter just isn't going to cut it. You know, and the, despite the fact that Boston only scored 23 um, themselves in the period, um, it, it, there was just not enough offensive talent. You can't, you know, Mitch Creek there, Pinson, Shabazz Napier, Ed Davis, these guys aren't going to give you, you know, great offensive minutes. Uh, and, you know, with you when you have such a, 
a, a depth of a, a lack of depth in that offensive department when you lose, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, um, and Alan Crabb and Joe Harris was off. Um, you need a, a guy like D'Angelo Russell to step up. He did, uh, and then uh, towards the end, it, it, through not no fault of his own, he just uh, it, it just wasn't his way, and it wasn't the team's way. And even Jared Dudley not being out there, I think his the lack of spacing was apparent. Like you mentioned, Boston being such a good defensive team, when you allow them to kind of shrink the floor, you know, you're in trouble because they have length and they have great defenders. But Jack, any final thoughts you want to talk about this game or you want to move on and talk some other topics? Yeah, I mean, points in the paint, you know, the, the Celtics beat us 56 to 44 there. I think that, you know, um, it wasn't our night. Normally, if we're winning the points in the paint battle, it generally means it's it's one of the ones that I go to more than any other. Um, some turnovers at times were, were a little bit sloppy, sloppy, but then again, the Celtics had 18 themselves and we had 17, and uh, that was sort of my thing. The points off turnovers, you know, 27 to 25. So, you know, the Celtics are fourth in the league in points off turnovers. I put it in my Nets Republic pregame piece. So, um, it's just one of those games, you know, it, it, where it was there, but it wasn't... Um, I was sort of like, you know how you, you're confident when against the Knicks. It was like, oh, yeah, they're hanging around, they're hanging around. The Nets are going to close this out. The the Nets were hanging around with Boston, but I was never confident. It was just, you know, I just felt like the fact that Boston were going to blow it out. And then there were moments where I'm like, oh, okay. But at the same time, as soon as D'Lo was, was subbed out, I'm like, okay, well, um, it seems to me where the direction this is going. Yeah, it just felt like it was a, maybe even a little bit too much for D'Lo, even when he got back in there, because just nobody else was really cooking offensively. It was just a tough outing, and they didn't necessarily play with amazing energy, so it's not like they could fully grind out the game. I thought they did a good job hanging around, but they just didn't have that final push to kind of take the lead and win this one. Yeah, and I mean, Zane's brought up a good point. You know, looking ahead, we've got Milwaukee, Denver, San Antonio, Orlando, Chicago. Do you think we can beat any of those big teams without the steps? Feels like momentum um, could come to a halt, uh, which the, the Nets have been relying on quite a bit. I think a lot actually would depend on if Alan Crabb came back. I think he could give them a nice boost. I don't think he's going to like save the world or anything, but just another offensive piece that can kind of give them some add. Obviously, Trevion Graham back too. I think if Joe Harrison get healthy, they can beat one of these teams, especially at home. On the road is going to be a lot tougher. You know, I think they'll beat Chicago tomorrow, most likely. San Antonio on the road is going to be a tough one. And then uh, you look at Orlando on the road, I think that's a winnable game. And I think you would like to either beat Milwaukee or Denver. And you see me looking up at the schedule in front of me. Milwaukee or Denver, I think you want to beat one of those two teams. And I think that'd be a huge confidence booster. It's going to take a lot, but they do play better at home, at least in this recent stretch or recent month. Yeah, two of the top teams in the NBA right now with some absolute studs on their roster and they're just playing great basketball uh, on both ends of the floor. So, I mean, if we could snag one of those wins, we obviously beat Denver early in the season thanks to some heroics from Carol Savert. Not going to be able to rely on him. But, yeah, it's one game at a time. You know, we're going to get the, the Chicago win uh, in the first place before we even think about uh, and th that stretch. But uh, it's going to be a tough one. And there are these tough stretches throughout the season, including, you know, to end the season in April, as we've talked about before. But you know, I think it's a game-by-game -game proposition, as it always is with the Nets. But um, you don't want to – I think you need to be more immersed in, in, in the moment um, from Coach Kenny's perspective and, and the Nets in general, the coaching staff. You know, if, if the win's there, you know, just go for it. You know, I mean, an extra – five minutes you deal with the, the repercussions the next day you know i don't think for an extra five eight ten minutes is gonna is gonna kill you but like you mentioned if we get alan crabb back and jared dudley back or joe harris is is a little bit fitter trevion graham is back against chicago it just helps you know uh, lessen the load uh, across the board which i'm sure um, will please a guy like kenny and the rest yeah, exactly, Jack. I think uh, probably our listeners want us to touch on that news that dropped today about some player, you know, requesting a trade. 
Ed Davis. Uh, Anthony Davis. Um, you know, we did have a live NBA outlet show. You could check that out on YouTube. We touched about all the teams, but we did touch on the Nets, but I'm sure we can recap it a little bit here, Jack. You want to give them your thoughts on the Nets and the possibility of making a trade for AD? Yeah, I mean, we touched on it, and obviously, if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you have uh, the, the leverage in the sense that you have the, the number one coveted asset in, in, in any trade proposal. So if you're the Nets and you're wanting to make a move, you're going to have to offer some pretty big you know, assets. Is it Karis LeVert? Is it Spencer Dinwiddie? Is it DeAngelo Russell? Is it all three? Is it a combination of two out of the three? If the Nets could keep two out of those three, you know, I'd be more than happy. Um, and obviously, you probably give up Jared Allen, some first-rounders here and there, and, you know, some some money or some ex- take on some expiring deals, you know, whether it's, you know, Solomon Hill or, or someone along those lines. Um, so I think that the Nets are, are in the race, um, but I don't think that they're, they're, they're leading that. I, I think our cross-town rivals, the Knicks seem to be a little more motivated to make a deal, despite the fact that I think that the Nets, you know, have a, have a decent enough chance, I think. If we were to put a percentage on it, I wouldn't put anything more than 18 to 20%, but it's something. Yeah, I think they're in contention, but they're not one of the big contenders. You know, they're not a team where you're looking at like, all right, the Nets are going to make this move. If they really wanted to, I think they could give a great trade package, but that would pretty much gut the team. Like you said, they'd have to keep, you know, two of the three being Dinwiddie, Levert, or D'Lo. And then you're obviously probably including Jared Allen, possibly Rodion's, and then some first-round picks. So it might not even be worth it to make the trade as crazy as that sounds for Anthony Davis because you want to keep this core, and then you also want to sell to one of the big free agents this summer. And depending, you mentioned having to take back like a Solomon Hill type, that would kind of mess up with your cap space unless you had them to take like Alan Crabb or something along those lines. So I think the Nets are in it, but I don't think Sean Marks is going to send the best offer. He's going to kind of sit on it if New Orleans were to get desperate. You know, I could see it as a real possibility. But right now, I think the Lakers are more desperate. And AD's been connected to Boston for so long that they're almost desperate in a sense because they want to team up Kyrie and AD. Yeah, there's way more uh, desperate teams in that sort of sense. And I think that the Nets are going the, the internal route of growth and, and, and rebuilding and, you know, adding guys in free agency. So you don't have to necessarily give up those assets. I'm not as high as a lot of other people in terms of securing guys. You know, I think Tobias Harris seems the most likely. I think KD um, and, and Kawhi seem pretty set in their sort of destinations. You know, I've talked about on the JVT before that uh, I think KD yeah, could head to the Clippers or is more likely the same Golden State. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. But, you know, Nick, before we end it, I'll, I'll give you, if you could have any of the three, Davis, Kawhi, or, um, or, or Kevin Durant, you know, uh, taking out, you know, any sort of trade proposal, who would you prefer to have? So, Jack, I don't know if you remember this. We did episode 100 of the NBA Outlet, and we talked about some crazy prediction that Anthony Davis would end up on the Nets in 2020 via free agency. So I don't know that, that you know, he heard that, but – I think I'd probably take Anthony Davis. I'd probably rank – this is this is extremely tough. I, I'm thinking a little bit into age here, and I think AD matches up the best with the Nets timeline. Kawhi's a couple years older. KD, I believe, is 30 or about to turn 30, so I'd probably rank them in AD, Kawhi, and then KD, as crazy as that sounds, just because I'm, I'm concerned about the timeline. I think you get a guy like Anthony Davis. We kind of talked about this on the outlet. Your, your franchise is relevant for seven more years as long as he doesn't request a trade. Yeah, no, in a decade. You know, he, he has had, a, obviously, some injury concerns, but I think a, a lot of them have been of the, the lesser extent. You know, there's no long-term issues in terms of his uh, mobility. Uh, so I think that, um, I, I don't know, it's hard, I, I, I would probably say AD as well just because of the age factor. Um, I'm, just, I'm just super high on KD. I think that we've all, everyone's like, you know, a, we're always supposed to appreciate, you know, the good things that we have, but 
Katie's one of the best scorers of all time and could go down as the number one scorer of all time. And, you know, he's, he's improved dramatically as a passer. Uh, and, you know, if he wants to come to, to Brooklyn, then I, I would take him with open arms. And, you know, Kawhi's cool and, and he's a, a, an awesome defender. Um, but, uh, you know, my mind changes. And, and the fact that we've been thinking about it, it's hypothetical, but um, it, it's lovely to dream. I honestly think KD would be the one most likely to actually end up in Brooklyn. Like, I think that's the most plausible one to happen. I think there's a really good chance Kawhi stays in Toronto, especially if everything works out, or he goes to the Lakers or Clippers because he wants to be in L.A. so bad. And then AD, obviously, it's probably going to trade, and the Nets are going to make that offer. Then you look at KD, there's a good chance he's going to leave Golden State. I think it's like a 50-50 right now. And then you look at the other teams out there. I'm not sure if he's super interested in the Clippers. I think he'd be maybe interested in teaming up with LeBron. You look at the Knicks, unless they make this trade for AD, the Nets have a better core. They kind of have a bigger sell to KD. So I think that would be the most realistic target. Yeah, I mean, you, you make fair points and uh, I don't disagree. I appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, this is like a dream scenario is uh, AD gets traded to a rental team. He doesn't like that team, becomes a free agent. The Nets don't sign anybody this offseason. They carry the cap space into next year. They sign AD like we predicted. Who could happen? It could happen. I mean, <laughs> it speaking could. into existence, and, you know, Lonzo Ball apparently doesn't want to go to New Orleans. Maybe we get Lonzo Ball and the... Uh, in the in in the wings, you know, who cares about that kid? Seriously. <laughs> if you uh, let's say the Nets did get involved with some type of trade, which players would you like to get from the Lakers? I know you mentioned Brandon Ingram to me before because you feel like the Nets player development team could do wonders with him. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive. I've been a massive fan of Brandon Ingram, but not in a Lakers uniform. I think that under the right guys, I think that he could be you know a, a really effective player. I think he's got talent on both ends of the floor. Um, I think under the right player development system, he could turn into something, you know, uh, quite quite special. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether the the Nets, uh, you know, obviously there could be some, you know, another team who chimes in. And I think I would not be surprised if the Nets are that team. Um, but even a, even a guy like Josh Hart, um, mm. I, I think that he has some nice 2A potential, uh, nice defender. And I think he'd fit perfectly in Coach Kenny's system. Um, I'm actually quite low on Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, you can score, but I don't think that his all-round skill set is as you know valuable as you know even a guy like Josh Hart. Despite the fact that you know he can't score thirty flat out on a night, I think he can be a nice complementary role piece, which would benefit plenty of other franchises. I think the big question with Kuzma is how much better is he going to get? You know, how much more is he going to expand his game? What's the next thing for him? You know, he's a great scorer, like you said, but now it's kind of building that all-around game. Looking at New Orleans, obviously they're becoming sellers now, and there's a chance they might even play AD the rest of the year. You know, Miritich, Julius Randle, Etwan Moore, possibly Drew Holiday. Which the, which of those guys kind of entice you as a Brooklyn Nets? Uh, Miritich. Uh, I think Miritich is like, you know, we talk about the the problems at the four. Uh, I think Nikola Miritich is nigh on the perfect sort of fit there. Guy can hit the three ball quite consistently, can get hot, uh, isn't necessarily going to eat up, you know, much um, usage and such. But, you know, he's been a tremendous fit in in New Orleans when he's healthy, you know, alongside a Davis at the four. So I think, you know, if he were in the situation, you know, next to Jared Allen, uh, and Ed Davis, uh, those two guys, uh, I think he'd be absolutely perfect. You know, I know a lot of guys do love Julius Randle, uh, and uh, there were rumors surrounding him to an extent to go to Brooklyn. But uh, I just think logically and, 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 and schematically, I don't think he makes as much sense uh, despite his talent. Um, but, you know, funny things have happened. Um, and each one more. Uh, I think other teams will be more clamoring for his services. I think he could provide them a, a nice boost as a scorer. You know, I think teams like OKC and, and the Jazz, you know, could use a, a, a guy of his talents. But wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I'm sure Marks, you know, looks at it uh, even more depth. 
Yeah, no, he's a very good shooter and be a great fit in the system, Etwan Moore. Amiritich, I really like that as well. Like you said, Julius Randle, I don't think that fits necessarily there because he's not a great three-point shooter. You know, Allen and Ed Davis have been pretty much great the whole season. You don't want to mess up that five rotation, obviously. Uh, what would you give up for Amiritich? And would uh, you try to – sorry to cut you off, Jack. Would you try to package Crab in there and maybe have to give up another draft asset or another young piece? You get rid of Crab, you bring in Miritich. You're kind of sending the Pelicans a little bit more, though. Yeah, maybe if you trade Crab for Hill – in terms of you know trading bad contracts uh in that sort of sense i mean it's yucky um but at the same time you know it, if that means you don't have to give up a pick and you get to keep those assets i think that sean mark seems to it, it'd be surprising to me if the the nets give up you know many of their picks uh, i think that they're they're probably coveting them this season um you know because it's been so long since we've had those assets um i mean I'd probably, obviously, in terms of making the money work, you'd probably have to put in a crab or a Damari or, or, or a guy of that sort of ilk who has that sort of uh, money on his contract. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily break the bank, though. You know, I, I think that Miritich, you know, I, I think a lot of other teams, if they want him more and you're willing to mortgage your future, I don't think you're willing to mortgage your future on a guy like Miritich who, you know, might not necessarily uh, rotate the wheel that much, despite the fact that the Nets could use a four more than any other. Yeah, it's definitely something interesting to think about. I mean, they could do something like Alan Crabb for Wesley Johnson and Nicole Miritich, and then, you know, see what happens with Johnson. They could always buy him out, but they'd have to put in more draft assets if they were to take on Crabb's contract, which is something they would probably consider being a rebuilding team. But like you said, Sean Marks values draft picks. And also, if you really think about it, this could be like one of his last deep draft runs, and now he starts attacking free agency a little bit more. Or he can use future picks to get another star because they'll be further along in the process. Yeah, that's completely true, but um, all hypothetical at this stage. But you know, <laughs> um, keep, keep an eye on this space because, you know, Sean Marks will always be making those calls and those texts sliding into those DMs. And there's a real possibility just this traction in the possibility of more, you know, Randall and Miritich getting moved. They could kind of pick up the trade deadline a little bit more and get more moving pieces out there. So like Jack said, keep an eye on that. As always, thank you everybody for listening. It's a pleasure, Jack. Check us out, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepog.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.